20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. My name is Mike Wetland. Joining me, as always, Tyler Grezegorek. And Tyler, how's it going today? Uh, trying to get through this bye week. You know, uh, there's a lot of football to watch, but nothing that, uh, you know, really matters to me. I'm not going to lie. I might take the weekend off and go take care of some other things that I've been putting off for way too long now. Yeah, there's not too many great games. Uh, maybe Patriots-Bears could be interesting or even mm-hmm. Vikings-Jets, but it's without the Packers playing in and it kind of sit out a week, it's it's a good chance to take back, reflect on the first six games and kind of see what's, what's what we can expect for the rest of the season. And it's the only thing that could be interesting is some teams ahead of you could lose, so you never know, because right now, technically the Packers are in a playoff spot. They're technically the sixth seed in the NFC. So they're, I mean, technically they're still playing to be to be excited about. There's a lot of football yet to be played. We still got 10 games left, even though the next two are very, very tough. And when you're we talking about prepping for this, uh, for this episode, we were thinking about just talking about keeping the faith. There's, we've seen time and time again the Packers have a really rough start to the season and it seems like it's almost every year at this point but they always come out really strong after the bye week and they always end the season very very strongly the exception of last year when you had the Brett Hundley series but right now with three two and one I understand a lot of angst and a lot of anger and a lot of frustration about how the Packers have gone but with how they've shown in the second half year after year after year I think there's a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be looking forward to with this team. Uh, very much agreed. Uh, you know, they haven't really been completely healthy. You know, we we've in the past we've talked about a lot more, a lot more injuries and a lot more dramatic injuries, but they haven't really been able to mesh together yet this year. I don't think we've seen Rodgers with his full complement of weapons. I don't think we've seen Patton with his full full complement of weapons. You know. I'm very excited to see what this team looks like coming out of the bye. Hopefully McCarthy can throw some more wrinkles in there like we saw against the, uh, oh my goodness. 49ers. Thank you. Sorry. It's been a long week. Um, It has. (laughs) So hopefully we can start to see more of that. You know, Rodgers is hopefully getting healthy. I think that's the biggest thing with this bye week is getting healthy, kind of regrouping and coming out strong against uh, New England or Yes. LA, LA first. My goodness, I'm all over the place today. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. I, I'm the same way. But, no, I agree. I think health is going to be the biggest thing over this bye week, getting back guys like Geronimo Ellison, Randall Cobb, getting Brian Bulaga fully healthy, uh, maybe even Justin McCray if you want to go back to him at guard, Jair Alexander. Uh, is any guys who can get healthy, get them back and get them in good shape. And even guys like Jimmy Graham, who's battling that knee problem for a little bit, get him going again. And I look at this team, and I, I see this team, and I and I remember reading an article a couple weeks ago about how, uh, an interview with Mike McCarthy about how he had to scrap a lot of the changes because of Aaron Rodgers' knee injury, which makes you think that there's a, there was a lot more mobility-based concepts, a lot maybe a lot more of those bootlegs that we saw against San Francisco, a lot more of those uh, RPOs with Aaron, but they couldn't do that when he had a when he had that knee injury, or as bad as the knee injury was, he couldn't do that. So I wonder if Aaron's a little better out of the out of the bye. We'll see a lot more of those concepts, a lot more misdirection, and a lot more, a lot more 
I guess, new age concepts that has taken the NFL by storm and taken college football by storm since everyone always wants Lincoln Riley now. But I, I, I think the biggest thing, like you said, is going to be health, though. If they can get Allison and Cobb and especially Jair Alexander back, that's that's three playmakers that are going to help this team on offense and defense, especially with seeing after these young guys got enough playing time that they're now ingrained a little bit and Aaron can trust them offensively. And we've seen Kevin King step up on the corner defensively and getting Jair back in the slot and moving Josh Jackson back to the perimeter, I think is only going to help this team going forward. But it all has to start this week and getting your body right, getting your mind right for this next 10-game gauntlet. Well, on the McCarthy thing, you know, I retort that comment that he made with, you should still have a backup plan. Maybe it wasn't plan A, but you should have a plan B. And that th- I think that's where... You know, myself included, a lot of fans are getting tied up. It just kind of seems like he's being too reliant on Rodgers and his arm when, you know, we've seen the create, the creativity that McCarthy can bring to a football team. And it, it just begs to, you wonder why that creativity has waned in the past few years, whatever, for whatever reason it might be. I, you know, I, I just hope we get to see more of that because I can tell you that that play that we saw against San Francisco where they came out of the huddle quickly and they threw the four on the the left side and they isolated Graham on the right. I was I was wa- telling my buddy that I was watching the game with. I was like that's a fantastic play call. Like there's so many options. It's creative, it's different. It, it puts the defense on edge. I mean, San Francisco was only able to get two defenders over there. It just it creates stress and that's the kind of stuff that this Packers offense needs moving forward. No, I agree. Getting those those mismatch concepts is going to be so big, and we know Devonta Adams will win any one on one you can think of. He would he can be any quarter in the league with his feet. But getting guys like Jimmy Graham schemed open, getting like Ty Montgomery with that play you're talking about, that helps so much with him to get him to catch the ball with room in front and getting blockers there shows the weapon that he can be. And we saw him even later in the game, even though he didn't get the ball, they motion Montgomery out to the left slot. You kept Aaron Jones in the game anyway. And Montgomery had a one-on-one with a linebacker. So you look at plays like that, and I think I think we're going to see a lot more of that because we've seen over the years, for better or worse, we've seen Mike McCarthy scheme up to the level of the competition at times, and some of his best-called games have been against top-flight competitions like the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And I, I have no reason to doubt we're going to see a game plan like that against the Rams because everyone's going to talk about, oh, how Sean McVay is going to out, out-scheme him in every way, and he still could because he has Todd Gurley. But... I do think that we could see a dynamite game plan to try and neutralize this Rams defense and the speed they have. And when you have two weeks to prepare for it, that could really, really go a long way. Well, it sucks that both of these games are going to be away games. Uh, You know, they got to go from New England, I'm sorry, Los Angeles, then to New England. I do believe, though, that the Packers will split these games. You know, a lot of people have the Packers coming into these games and losing both of them. Yeah, both teams might be better on paper but how many times in however many seasons of the NFL do teams come in and overperform what was expected of them I honestly believe that the Packers will split these two games and I would say survive that part of the schedule no I agree and I think the biggest thing is when you look at each individual team starting with LA LA is still a very young team And they're a very, very confident team to the point of not quite arrogance. And I wonder if they they ever start to believe their own press a little bit. And you see a guy like Dominick Sue, who's always been kind of that way, and 
You had Aaron Donald who holding out for a while. You have guys like Jared Goff and Brandon Cooks who have always had that kind of mentality. And then you go to New England, and New England's defense is not very good. They're they're they have moments like Green Bay's defense, but they have moments where they got gashed by a very good Chiefs offense. But need to say they still got absolutely decimated by by Mahomes and Hill and Kareem Hunt and a good a good well-rounded offense can really take them to the limit. And at home or on the road, I do think you're right. I think Green Bay's can split those games. I I think if they do go 0-2, they're going to be two close games. I don't think either of them will be a blowout. But I think there's a lot to, to like and to look at with those two games. And I think that the matchups actually play favorably well with Green Bay. It's not as lopsided as people think. Well, specifically with Los Angeles, that defense has underperformed. And I'm going to say something that people are probably going to you know, give me flack about. But the Rams defense and the Packers defense performance-wise this year are not that different. They really are not. And you, you want to go back and look at the games that both of these teams have played. There's been a lot of points given up. And the Rams came into this, this year supposed to be the shutout defense, but one of the best defenses we've ever seen. And they've simply underperformed. And for what it's worth, Green Bay has performed at a similar level. No, I agree. And the best way to go after the Rams is up the middle. Their safety play is, is all right. Their linebacker play is all right, but their defensive line, like Green Bay's, is a big strength with Donald and Sue. But I do agree. It's, they have kind of underperformed defensively. Their offense has also a little bit overperformed when you look at guys, the years of guys like Robert Woods are having, and and obviously Ty Gurley is a, the best running back in football, but it, it makes you wonder if they can keep up this breakneck pace all year, especially when they're not they're not going to have a, they don't have their bye week yet. So it's going to be interesting to see. But and but as we, as we continue to wax the positive things about Green Bay, let's turn it toward the Packers defense a little bit because they've had moments where they're a top ten defense. They've had moments where they're a high school defense, and we saw a little bit of both against San Francisco last Monday night, namely the first half and the second half. So, Todd, I'll turn it to you. I guess what are your thoughts on the defense and what can the Packers fans look forward to? I guess on the on the good side, moving forward for the next ten games. Well, we all know that last year the biggest problem with the defense was the pass defense, you know, giving up way too many yards and catches and big plays through the passing game. And I can honestly say that this defense is bounds better than last year's in pass defense. Uh, right now, in according to Football Outsiders, the Green Bay pass defense is ranked 15th in the NFL. You know, last year, I believe they were bottom five. So, it, I mean... Just the, the improvement there, it's, it's evident. You know, the run defense is not what we thought it would be, but that's on purpose. Mike Patton is purposely not stopping the run. I think there's some things, you know, obviously execution wise that the, some of the Packers players are missing, but Mike Patton did not come to Green Bay to stop the run. And, I think he's doing exactly what we thought he would. You know, I think he needs to clean up some of the inconsistencies, you know, half on, half off type of mentality. I don't know why that is that is the case. Uh, I expect them to come out of the bye week firing. You know, Los Angeles should be definitely on alert because if this team, the Green Bay Packers, if they could put it all together, this is one of the best teams in football. No, absolutely. I think you still have to give them a good shot at the NFC North. And echoing off your opinions on defense, I do think that this team is loads better than the years past on defense. Defense, at the very least, because they do have more playmakers on that back end. You look at 
well, look at what Kevin King did against San Francisco. Outside of a couple early passes, which he played too far off, he, he was locked down, and that interception he made was perfect coverage and just a great play on the football. And for his all his inconsistencies, HaHa Clint Dix has been a playmaker with three picks that that forced fumble. And Ross Uglin put it pretty pretty nicely when he looked at that forced fumble on, on his Twitter account as, that looks like the last guy who wore 21 making that play. That's a play that if you t- if he can show up his game, he could be a playmaker and not have to try and be that anchor and just this fundamentally sound to always be in the right spot. He can be a little more more uh, risk averse and be a little more aggressive. And then Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, the two rookies, are absolutely exceptional players. And if they're both they're healthy in the right spots and Josh Jackson becomes a little less grabby, those are two building blocks on that defense. So the secondary, I think, is in very good shape as long as they can shore up the consistency issues, especially at safety. And I'm not as down as Kendrick Bryce on every, as everybody else is. I think he needs a lot of work. But I do think there's talent there, and there's a reason why he was one of the most highly sought free agents out of the draft, and he should have been drafted two years ago. Well, I honestly think that the best formation uh, of the secondary would be with Tremont Williams back at safety. I think I agree. I think that there needs to be more more communication on the back end, you know. And I think if you have somebody that's as, as experienced and is in, instinctual, a lot of ISs there, um, you know, I feel like that's just going to do loads for the secondary. Uh, you know, being able to direct them and say, "Hey, shade here, shade there," you know, back off, whatever. You know, somebody with experience and instincts like Tremont Williams has, I feel like would be incredibly beneficial to this back end. And then you could let you could let Haha Clinton Dex. Uh, Clinton Dix, my goodness, uh, you could let him loose, and you know he's been he's been causing turnovers. He's he's been playing aggressively, like we like we had seen in his rookie year. He's still got some things to clean up, you know, technique wise, but overall he's played fantastic this year. And I am not going to go say that he's earned a contract yet, but he's on his way. Okay, fair enough. I, I do think he should get a contract, but I think that, that's a different conversation for another day and probably another pack a day later on. But I agree with you. I think Tremont at free safety would be a good thing. And to me, that's not a knock on Bryce as much, just as much as Williams is such a good fit there to be that roaming ball hawk type guy. Because as good as he was in Arizona last year, it seems like he may have lost his step a little bit this year. He He's had his struggles with little quicker receivers, and we saw him get completely undressed by Marquise Goodwin against San Francisco, who does that to a lot of people. But Tremont might be, at this point, better suited as a safety. So then you can put you can put on the field King, Alexander, Jackson, and Breland, who should be back as well after the bye week, who they brought in. And even if you need to, despite the two bonehead penalties, Tony Brown showed some decent coverage skills as well if they keep him on the team. So this corner room is in pretty good shape right now, even if you were to move Williams to safety. But where the Packers really need to improve the most, and it's no doubt in my mind, is going to be the pass rush. And as much as I have been a defender, and I first all, I have a morbid curiosity in Kyler Fackrell, he cannot be your best pass rusher. That just cannot happen. You need Nick Perry to do more than deflect passes at the line, even though that is a good skill. And you need Clay Matthews to make more plays this year, and Reggie Gilbert as well. That's going to be the biggest thing. You cannot be constantly overloading blitz and leaving your corners on an island because every now and then they will get beat. Definitely, you know, looking at this group as a whole, you mentioned Breland. So much, so much more improvement in this room. And I can't wait to see what Petten does with this bye week. You know, I, if they're ever going to implement Williams as a safety, 
his role in this in this team was always going to be that of a mentor role. He was always going to be the guy that these young guys were going to look to for advice and for his expertise. And I think he can definitely provide that on the back end, not only to the secondary, but just in general to the entire defense. If he can, if he can sit back and diagnose, I think we're going to be looking at a perfect. I mean, not a perfect, but a much better scenario. And then you get these, you can, you can get these blitzes, which have been so effective that nullifies the need for a successful pass rush. And I think that Patton has recognized that deficiency. And I think that's why we're seeing so much aggressiveness from him in these key situations. But that blitz that he dialed up on third down against San Francisco was absolutely gorgeous. Kevin King, which you touched on, he, the thing about him, he developed throughout that game. Yes, he got beat early, but as that game went on, he got stronger. And that is incredibly promising to see. You know, he he bodied Goodwin on that play. There was absolutely no way, even if King doesn't get that interception, there's no way King is making that reception. Or, I'm sorry, Goodwin is making that reception. So, this defense is getting better as a whole. You know, I expect the edge rush to maybe not work itself out, but to be compensated you know, nicely by the blitzes that Petten is dialing up. No, I agree. I think that's going to be the big thing is, that's going to be the thing is you've got to try and find a way to get pressure, especially against the Rams. That's going to be the thing because if you give, if you can move Goff off of his spot, that could, a young quarterback still can maybe get a little bit flustered and make some ill-advised throws to some smaller receivers. The Rams don't have that big, huge possession receiver like they did with Sammy Watkins with, with a, basically replacing him with Brandon Cooks. Cooks is more of the burner, more of the souped-up version of Ted Ginn. But it's going to come down to getting pressure. I think that's where we're going to see. We may see some more of Montrevious Adams, too, on the defensive line, because he hasn't done much on the field yet this year. But he's a guy where if you can unleash him in the second half, let him jump the gap and get into the backfield a little bit more, if he, if he can, like what he's shown in the preseason and training camps, I think that could help getting Mike Daniels giving him a better opportunity to get penetration because right now he's he's holding his own. He's doing a good job, but he's not making those big pass rush plays that we've seen in the past. That's been Kenny Clark who just tell him to keep doing what he's doing. But defensively, I, they're in a, I think they're in a good spot, and I think the numbers that may come out of these next two weeks may not show that as much as we would think. But I think the tape in these next two weeks could help, help a lot and see how this team builds going forward as long as they can... Come into the game healthy, leave the game healthy, and keep the games uh, as close as they possibly can. And even, and the other big thing I kind of want to keep the faith in is is going to be special teams because I know they're going to get maligned, and a lot of times they've earned it. But really, take away a couple of really stupid penalties that weren't even near the play. And Ty Montgomery's got two sixty-plus yard returns. Mm-hmm. And J.K. Scott's been a revelation. He's been one of the best punters in the game. Mason Crosby with that wonderful bounce back to be named Special Teams Player of the Week. And if if you and you may be thinking about, we may see J- Jair Alexander go back to punt returns in a little bit just to get a little more of a playmaking aspect. Unless they decide to bring Trevor Davis off injured reserve, because that's due in a, I think two weeks he's eligible to come back. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. But I do think the special teams is better than what they've shown, especially when it comes to penalties. And another thing is getting guys healthy will help the special teams out because you won't have guys doing double duty, playing every snap on defense and going and covering a punt or protecting for a punt and things like that. So I think getting things short up on the offensive defense will help the special teams a lot more as well. 
I agree. And yeah, you, you hit it on the head with Montgomery. I think that he needs to take over that primary role as a special teams contributor. If they're not going to use him on offense, they need to put his playmaking ability somewhere. I'd rather not put Alexander back there, even if he does have that ability, simply because I don't want him to get hurt. I think he's too vital to this defense moving forward. But I think Montgomery, that should be his role. And let's talk about Davis and Kumaro for a second, because I don't believe there's room on this roster for either one of them. With the emergence of both uh, Equinemia St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, how highly Aaron Rodgers is speaking of Jamon Moore, you know, the returning health of Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb and the emergence of Allison... I don't know if there's room on this roster for either one of them. No, I agree. I've been thinking about that a lot, too, because we have the legend of Kumaro growing, and I saw someone on Twitter today saying, could he be the Adam Thielen of the Packers? Undrafted receiver kind of bounced around, finally gets his chance and makes the most of it. They're different players. Kumaro's definitely a little more of a possession guy. Thielen's such a good route runner and such a elusive type guy. But I, I think there's a more of a chance for Kumaro than Davis just because the trust issue that Aaron Rodgers has with Kumaro as he showed during training camp. I think there's a chance if if Cobb's not fully healthy and I th- or, or Allison gets hurt again, I think there's a chance for Kumaro to make a return as that fifth receiver, sixth receiver, special teams guy because he's shown that he's willing to do that. And I think he is a guy that the team wants to keep around and – even if you have to keep him on IR, that might have to be the case. But I do think Trevor Davis's days are numbered with the emergence of, especially with the emergence of Ty Montgomery on kick returns, because that was Trevor Davis's big thing. He was the returner. He did kicks and punts. And with how good Ty has been, you can't, I don't know if it matters as much to Trevor Davis if you keep a guy who's just a punt returner and a punt gunner. Uh, I think I think his days are pretty much numbered in Green Bay. I do still think Kumaro might have a chance, depending on how injuries shape up. Because even if you put a guy in IR now, he won't get him back to the end of the season. So for most teams, and Green Bay is no different. I think your IR decisions are going to be made within these next few weeks on who you bring back or not. Because I don't think Kyle Murphy still there. I think they gave him the injury settlement already. Mm-hmm. So at least he could be an option. He could have been an option with the with the the Knicks to Bulaga and Spriggs. But I do think that Trevor Davis is probably written his ticket out of Green Bay, and I think Kumaro will be on the roster, just maybe not on the 53. Well, Davis, to be honest, has done little to keep his name here in Green Bay. It was always, well, we don't have anything else with him. And now that there is something else, I I fully agree. I, I don't know how much longer Trevor Davis is a Green Bay Packer. I agree, and and as I showed, they're willing to move on from receivers after cutting D'Angelo Yancey for the 838th time last week. But uh, you're right, though. Having Valdez Scanling really emerge and show great ball skills and the adjustments he made and the communication with Aaron Rodgers was so good against San Francisco, and he seemed to have learned uh, from the mistakes he made in the previous weeks of not coming back to the football. And then St. Brown, that back shoulder fade at the end of the game was absolutely perfect. It was Nelson-esque. And to show that kind of awareness, I think, is going to go a long way to getting him more playing time. So if you can roll out uh, those five guys along with Cobb, Allison, and Adams and just rotate him in and out, you, know, you can give Allison a breather with St. Brown. You give Cobb a breather with Valdez, Scantling. Uh, you can even put 
uh, Jamon Moore in there for a break as well for Allison. And just giving all those options combined with Graham and Lewis and Kendricks and Tanyan, who have all shown different things on the line at least. And Kendricks has been better catching the ball recently. He's, and he seems to have a knack for getting open. He just needs to catch the, the stupid ball. This team has so many weapons now in offense that that are young and talented and on their way up that it makes you wonder what this team's going to be like in December this year or next year or the year after that, how much talent is going to be on this offense going forward. And it seems like they're finally restocking the cupboard at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, I don't think that we're going to have to worry about this position for a few years now. Even if Cobb walks in free agency, I think that this team will be fine. They might add a piece or two uh, to supplement, but I don't know. They're not going to need to... You know, going into this last offseason, I think that wide receiver was viewed as one of the biggest needs. Uh, I didn't personally view it that way, but I think that they've kicked that idea to the curb moving forward, and I think they'll be fine, and they can focus on other areas now. Um, You know, I just want to say one quick thing about this offense, though. You know, we talk about how inconsistent they've been, and yeah, they've trailed in a lot of games. They're still winning games, and ultimately that's what matters. Second off... This is already one of the best offenses in the league. The The names in front of them are the absolute elite offenses right now. You're talking about the names like the Rams, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Saints. And then there's the Buccaneers in there, but I don't consider them an elite offense. I think that's a fluky statistic. But this is all based off of the DVOA from Football Outsiders. This offense is already one of the best. Imagine Rodgers, Cobb. Allison, Bulaga, imagine all these guys getting healthy with a creative McCarthy. Watch out for this offense. I agree. And the last thing I just want to touch on briefly before we say goodbye, uh, and that's very quickly the running back situation, because I know the big thing is about getting Aaron Jones more carries, and I agree with that to an extent. But I also think, I also kind of like the balance they've shown, because each running back is so different, and they all, it's almost like puzzle pieces that they all fit together so well. And I do think getting Jones a few more snaps and a few more touches is a good, it would be a good thing. But I also, Ross put it nicely well, and he just, after further review, he needs to get his, his bleep together when it comes to receiving and blocking. Because he did, that drop was pretty bad. His reads were not great as far as in the past game, but he is such a dynamic runner. And then you look at a guy like Jamal Williams, who is, who's shown a little more wiggle this year and make it to be able to make guys miss and to be able to get extra yards and to catch the football. And then you have Ty Montgomery, we all know the story about Ty, how good he is in space and how good he is as a route runner. And so I think this three-headed attack is going to work really, really well as the year later games go on. I think we're going to see more of it in the division games as well with those three guys. And I do think having more options with those guys, all three of them, is going to go a long way. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the running game because as much as we might knock on it and you know yell at McCarthy to be better about his play calls... This running game is good for fourth in the NFL right now as far as in terms of efficiency. So something's going right. You know, they're doing something right. It's just something is still off. And, you know, as we've said several times on this episode now, I fully expect the coaching staff to get together, the players to get together. I fully expect everybody to get healthy, get on the same page, correct these issues, and come out of the bye strong. Absolutely. And, and call me a positive guy, call me an optimist, call me a homer. I don't care. This is pack a day. We are about Packers and the good things about them as well. And so 
with this team, the the Packers, a second, they've always been a second-half team. They've always been a November-December team, and they're in a good spot now, currently in the last wild-card spot, technically. And with, with uh, 10 more games to go, there's a lot to like. And so, Tyler, thank you for, for joining us, and I think we're about, about out of time, don't you think? Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, so, Tyler, where can people find you? As always, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Tyler underscore Grez, T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. Um, I took a little bit of a hiatus from writing, but I'm getting back into that now for NFL Analysis Network. So that's pretty much where I'm exclusively writing nowadays when I'm not podcasting or on Twitter. So uh, make sure to check out that site. Absolutely. And you can find me at Mike Wetland. Find my writings on Packers Talk. I'll be back with it. Uh, the, uh, it'll be up this morning, actually, for you guys listening to this on Saturday. Also on Dairyland Express, where I'll be writing about Packers, Brewers, Bucks, and Badgers as those seasons are now all underway. And also, of course, follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. You know, they'll find you can find links to all of us as well, all of the great contributors we have for that as well. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, wherever good podcasts are found, we will be there. And don't forget to check out tomorrow's as well. With we have. Uh, kind of our hodgepodge group. We, uh, I think Zach's going to be there. And I can't remember who else is joining him, but feel keep listening every day. Again, about 20 minutes a day, Packers every day. Even during the bye week, we don't take the break that the team does. So we will be here every day for the Packer Day Podcast. So until next time, and as always, go Pack Go! Jones, the lone setback. Tight end right side of the line. And a faking the handoff. Bootlegging left is Rodgers. Looks downfield. Got a man wide open. MBS. Marquez Valdez scaling down the left sideline. Gets a block from EQ. That's going to be a St. Brown and out of bounds. Inside the 15-yard line. They're going to mark it apparently at the 17 where he stepped out. Oh, what a play. 60 yards to flip the field. First and 10 for the 17 to San Francisco. Get Jones around the right end. Gets a block. Makes the turn. 10 to the 5. To the end zone. Four receivers bunched to the left. Single receiver to the right, Jimmy Graham. Rodgers, quick toss in the flat. Left side. Got his man for the end zone. And a touchdown. Ty Montgomery. Two-yard touchdown reception. Long count by Rodgers. Looks left and right. Takes the snap. Fakes the handoff. Deep drop. Lots of time. Lost it. Left side. Jimmy Graham. Close to 50. Left side. Lots 40. To the 30. To the 20. And he's torn down from behind. Inside the 15. Down near the 12-yard line. 54-yard pass play. Second down for Green Bay, seven yards to go. Football just inside the 10-yard line. Snap Rodgers looking left, looking right. Tight pocket. Go the middle. Touchdown to Adams. Back line of the end zone right over the middle.